Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Hannah Floor. Kodiak's Tanner Crab season started Monday at noon. The Kodiak Crab Alliance Cooperative, which represents the fleet, agreed to dock prices between 350 and 370 per pound with the island's processors over the weekend, according to fishermen. That's a bit more than the price last year when the season was delayed due to a stand down. The guideline harvest level this year is 3 million pounds, one of the biggest in decades. That means this year's harvest could have a value of over $10 million when the season ends. This year, 130 vessels have registered to fish tanners in the Kodiak fishery, according to the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. Trident Seafoods announced last month it would sell its Kodiak facility, but it confirmed last week that it would also buy tanner crab this year. Debates over education funding dominated as lawmakers gathered in Juneau yesterday for the start of this year's legislative session. Senate President Gary Stevens, a Republican from Kodiak, says a boost to the base per student funding, known as the Base Student Allocation, or BSA, is the top priority for his caucus. We took the lead on, um, on funding education and um, uh, certainly support uh, a BSA uh, increase. Uh, but uh, right at this point, um, you know, we're awaiting here from the House what their plans are. Last year, the Senate passed a bill that would have boosted base per student public school funding by $1,000. After negotiations with the House, the legislature settled on a one-year funding increase equivalent to roughly $680, and that was ultimately cut in half in a veto by Governor Mike Dunleavy. Stephen says many members of his caucus would support overriding the veto. House Minority Leader Calvin Schrage, a Anchorage Democrat, called on his colleagues to do so. And I think what we've heard from many loud and clear is that education is in crisis in Alaska. Yesterday's vote to set up a veto override failed 20 to 20. Three rural Democrats and independents in the Republican-led majority caucus split with their colleagues to vote in favor. House Speaker Kathy Tilton, a Republican from Wasilla, says her caucus doesn't believe it should focus on one-time funding boosts. We are looking at a solution to put forward for public education in the full umbrella of what that looks like and not just laser focused on a one-time increase. Education is one of many issues lawmakers have on their agendas this year. Tilton says her caucus also hopes to advance bills to reduce the cost of energy and bolster public safety. On the Senate side, Stevens says legislators are eyeing reforms of the state's retirement system. The session is expected to continue through mid-May. Petersburg's Viking basketball teams hit the court in Haines last weekend against the Glacier Bears after many long hours of travel. The boys' varsity team solidly won both of their games, but the Lady Vikings lost theirs against a team of seasoned opponents. KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports. It was a weekend of grueling travel on planes, ferries, and buses for Petersburg's high school basketball teams. Rick Brock coaches the Viking varsity boys. He says his team fought through their travel fatigue, and their performance far surpassed his expectations. They won both of their games soundly. Anytime you can even win one on the road, but let alone two, that's a very good weekend. 
The Vikings played their best of the two games on Friday, defeating the Glacier Bears 66-42, to and they maintained a consistent lead throughout. Senior Rick Kumps led the charge, scoring the most points, 17. Seniors Hunter Kahn and Kieran Cabral were on his heels, each scoring 14 points. Saturday's game was somewhat closer. The Vikings won 63-48. to Petersburg still held a strong lead throughout. The Glacier Bears almost caught up to them in the second quarter when the Vikings got into some foul trouble. Brock says his players are celebrating their victories, but he still sees areas where the young team can grow. Our turnovers are still too high for our assist-to-turnover ratio, and we're still not shooting the ball very well. But for this part of the season, we're about one-third of the way through, and I like the progress that we've made. The Lady Vikings had a rougher start to their weekend. Their games followed a multi-day jaunt to Haynes, according to their coach, Matt Powick. The team was in transit for over 24 hours and had to overnight in Juneau. It's always tough when you're on the road and sleeping on your air mattresses and not eating, you know, home-cooked meals, but that's, that's basketball in southeast Alaska. On Friday, they trailed closely behind the Glacier Bears for the first three quarters. But by the fourth, Powick says they started running out of steam. Haynes won Friday's game 42-23. to Powick says the Lady Vikings held their own a little better the next day. Their defense was stronger, but they still struggled to get the ball in the basket. The Glacier Bears won Saturday's game 23-16. to Powick says travel fatigue wasn't the only factor that determined Petersburg's rough weekend. The Glacier Bears were just intense, but Powick wasn't surprised. He says they have a region-wide reputation for being a particularly fast, well-conditioned team. They really only play about six players, but they got three kids that basically never sub out, and they didn't have any trouble not subbing out, so they get up and down the floor quickly and, yeah, really really athletic. After a 30-hour ferry ride home, all the players made it back to school the next morning. Petersburg's varsity girls will stay home this weekend, and Powick says he's glad. It'll give the team time to train for their rematch with their rivals in Wrangell in late January. We'll have two weeks to just practice and prepare against Wrangell. Um, it's a team that we've already seen before and played really tight over in Wrangell, so I'm excited to see where we're at. You know, it'll be have been three weeks since we played them, and, and we'll see what we can accomplish between now and then. I'm kind of glad having the weekend off that we can just, just get in the gym. But the Viking boys won't stay home this weekend. They'll fly up to Anchorage to compete in a statewide tournament. Brock says Petersburg will be the only small school competing, but he's excited to get his players on the court with some teams that they haven't played before. Anytime we get a chance to play up a level, and this time too, it's a great opportunity for us to really just test ourselves against really good competition, some bigger, faster guys, and uh, hopefully uh, at the end of the weekend we'll be better than where we started. KFSK will not broadcast the tournament live this weekend. But the games will be live-streamed on nfhsnetwork.org. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Avalanche activity is high in Juneau after more than 30 inches of snow fell over the weekend. A Monday evening avalanche blocked Thane Road. And yesterday, an avalanche dusted homes in the Bear Ends neighborhood. No damage has been reported. Emily Osborne was in her house on Glacier Highway when the Bear Ends slide came down. I think it was more dramatic since it was so sunny and a bluebird day outside. And all of a sudden, um, the lighting in my living room just kind of changed. It all of a sudden went from like 
bright sunshine to like more of like a dark golden color. And I looked out the window and all I could see was just snow. Osborne has lived in the house since 2019, but she said this was the first time she witnessed an avalanche coming down. But it probably lasted for about 30 seconds and it was just like a blizzard outside. The storm gave way to clear skies and cold temperatures that are expected to persist until the weekend. Juno's emergency programs manager Tom Matisse said it will take a few days for this weekend's snow to bond with the existing snowpack. In the meantime, strong winds over the ridges could trigger more avalanches. The area that slid on Barrens this morning was a very small piece of much bigger avalanche path. So there's still danger up there, but I don't believe the depth is as tight that it hit houses. Juno's urban avalanche advisory was at high as of yesterday morning. The extreme level is typically reserved for scenarios that could damage houses. Sitka's police department remains seriously short-staffed, and police chief Robert Beatty argues that it's not a problem unique to Sitka. Police departments across the country are struggling to recruit and retain officers. But when he gave his quarterly report to the Sitka Assembly on December 26th, he was met with grievances from former officers and their families who say the staffing shortage points to a hostile work culture at the local level rather than a national trend. Catherine Rose reports. Once a quarter, department heads give an update to the Sitka Assembly. And on December 26th, it was Sitka Police Chief Robert Beatty's turn. Reading from a prepared statement, Beatty shared some statistics, like 10,000. That's roughly the number of calls for service SPD responded to this year. Or 3,400. That's the number of 911 calls dispatchers answered. More than double last year's 911 calls. A much smaller but equally significant number is 15. That's the number of positions at the police department that are currently vacant. It accounts for around half of the department's staff of jailers, officers, dispatchers, and animal control. This time last year, the department was also reporting a shortage of around a dozen positions. Nevertheless, Beatty said under his leadership, they've reduced the attrition rate by 75 percent since 2010. Morale within the department is generally positive, a testament to our supportive work environment, which includes good equipment, continuous training, and strong administrative support. However, the workload, particularly for officers with young families, is a significant concern and can impact morale. In response to rumors and criticisms over social media about me personally and my leadership, I encourage direct engagement with our department. Beatty attributed the current low staffing levels to national trends and a declining interest in law enforcement careers making hiring more competitive for small departments like Sitka's, which has the added challenge of being a remote island community with a tight housing market. This trend is not unique to Alaska, but is a national issue affecting all sectors of the workforce. Consequently, the competition for recruiting officers has intensified remarkably. Departments across the state are now compelled to offer substantial hiring bonuses ranging from $20,000 to $60,000 in an effort to attract qualified candidates. Along with a $20,000 sign-on bonus SPD is offering, Beatty said they're collaborating with a police recruiting consulting firm and a separate retention and mentoring program. Beatty said he's focused on quality, not quantity, in his recruitment efforts. 
Assembly members didn't publicly address Beatty with questions or comments about his report, but some members of the public voiced concerns. Breezy Cranford is the wife of former Sergeant Gary Cranford, who filed a lawsuit against the city and police department this year after he was demoted. If everything is so positive, why has there been a mass exodus over the past 12 to 18 months? It is a hostile work environment, and the employees are not to have an opinion about anything if it is at all rainbows and butterflies. So my question is, how many more lawsuits does the city have to get before there's a third-party investigation to find out what's going on within the PD? Two former employees also spoke, including the most recent animal control officer, Sam Pointer, who said he resigned from his position in mid-December after a disagreement over compensation. He said he wants his job back, but only if Beatty isn't his supervisor moving forward. I also have been told that there's two sides to this story. I am totally open to hearing publicly or privately the other sides from the administrator, from the chief, from the finance department, and from HR. I love my job, and I'm not trying to fight somebody else's battle. And Sinolden Norwood, a former employee, alleges he experienced sexual harassment while on the job before he quit in 2022. It was not a good work environment for me. I felt that I had to be isolated from everybody. I walked like I was on eggshells because I couldn't say anything or couldn't do anything because I didn't know which direction it would be taken. His wife, Petra Lechner, who said she was there when Norwood filed the complaint, said it all came down to one thing, Beatty's leadership. The chief's treatment of uh, employees is arbitrary, unfair, unequal, and I think he's in over his head. Uh, Professionally, he does not know how to run a police department. Beatty took over the department in 2019, but morale and staffing problems in the Sitka Police Department extend back further. In 2016, SPD staff held a nearly unanimous vote of no confidence in leadership. And in the last five years, four former SPD employees have brought suits against the city, all of them represented by the Anchorage civil rights law firm, the Northern Justice Project. Three were settled out of court for around $900,000 in all. The fourth was filed this October by former Sergeant Gary Cranford. On December 27th, Municipal Administrator John Leach responded to KCAW's request for comment on the allegations made against the Sitka Police Department during the December 26th Assembly meeting. In an email, he said he fully supports Sitka's law enforcement and said he would, quote, continue to investigate and correct allegations made against the Chief of Police or the SPD when those allegations are supported and reasonable, as well as, quote, vigorously defend any unfounded or untrue allegations. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.